Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Timmy Gibson Show. Glad you're here today. I'm so thrilled to have a special guest on the show today, Rick Sotabeer, who I'm not sure, Rick, how exactly I stumbled across you. I think I was doing some searching for dating coaches or something, and you popped up, and I was like, I don't know if I've met him, and I would know most anyone in the dating world here in Kansas City just because I do so many different events and then so kind of plugged into the, the single dating world here uh, as a date coach as well and a relationship coach, wedding officiant. And uh, yeah, when I looked up your stuff and saw some of your things, I was like, man, this guy seems interesting. I bet he's got a wealth of knowledge that he can help out all the people on the podcast because the majority of the, the podcast audience that listens to the Timmy Gibson show are single or and women. A lot of women are trying to find out about men. <laughs> yeah, we're we're a conundrum. Uh huh. Yes, we are. So, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Timmy. It's it's uh, great to be here. Great yeah. to be found. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, where you come from, what where you are now. How you got into the to the to be a date coach? <laughs> sure. Well, you know it's 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 a just a. I'll try to keep it short. It's a bit of a story, but I was a financial advisor for more than twenty years, and and during that time, uh, and even starting before that time, I was always interested in self and relationship improvement. It started more on the sales side, becoming a better salesman. Uh, working for my family business many years ago and then moving into the financial industry. And it was always important to, to try to become the best that I could be in, in that industry. Mm -hmm. But I started, what I started recognizing is that a lot of the things that I was learning also translated into relationships and quite honestly, sales is all about relationships. Yeah. Got to sell yourself. And so things just over time just kind of morphed and I became more and more involved in, in discovering about myself, how to become a better dad, how to become a better husband, dealing with, with problems within my marriage and, and my family. And, and it's, after about 20 years in the financial industry as a, as a financial advisor, I just got burned out. And I had started to recognize that my passion was with, with coaching, but I didn't know quite how to use it. And a friend of mine challenged me one day and she said, what is your passion? And we talked for a few minutes and you know, just off the top of your head, you rattle off a few things. But after pondering that for for a few days, it came to me that I, after going through a divorce and having people just randomly come up and talk to me about their relationships and and share their relationship problems with me, it struck me that there's so many people making poor decisions in the in the dating and relationship world that it, that it was time to write a book because if you went at the time if you went in and looked at the bookshelves there were lots of books out there to to uh, or on how to fix a broken relationship but there was almost nothing on 
how to find the right one or the things, the steps you needed to go through. And so I started sharing this with, with a friend of mine and she started throwing ideas back at me and I stopped and I said, why don't you help me write this book? She paused and said, okay. And within three days we had a working outline and about a year, about 15 months later, we published. And so, and, and just a, a cheap, shameless plug, the, the book is called Dating Backward. And I like that. The, 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 the title came from the fact that, that most people date backwards. They go out and start looking and just dating from a perspective of, well, let's see if this guy or this, this, this woman works. You know, they're cute. They have a couple of neat, neat characteristics. Let's give it a shot. And what I found over time is that they're, they're, they're putting the cart way ahead of the horse. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I try to rein people back to the beginning, go back to the very basics of dating. And so anyway, that's, that's in a nutshell, my story. And, and I've been doing this now for about 10 years. Well, that's awesome. So what, what, what do you think that, uh, I, I, do you see a difference in dating today than you did maybe back when you were, cause I think you and I are similar in age. We're, we're, let's just, let's just say we're over 40. <laughs> we're, <laughs> yeah, we're over 40. Much, <laughs> much. Oh, okay. I, fine. Over I, 50. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've come to, I've come to the, the brutal realization. I'm on the downhill slide of life now. <laughs> You know, isn't that a wild thing? So I, I'm 53. I turned 54 in, in a couple of weeks, uh, actually. So, you know, it's wild. I don't know how it was for you. I'm curious because this is actually one of my questions. I found it so, you know, the last time I really dated was back in my early 20s. Uh, mm-hmm. So I go through my divorce you know, about four years ago and I'm thrust out into the to the world and and of course, I'm glad you said, you know, about working on yourself because that was my number one priority. I mean, I still was dating around and having some fun, but, you know, I was, sure. I was in therapy. I was really trying to work on myself to try to really just become the best version of myself. And I know that's so cliche, but, um, you know, I, I do a lot of podcasts and that always seems to come up because it's just absolutely mm-hmm. critical that you, people talk about finding the right person. I'm like, well, it's, that's fine. But finding the right person is really more about becoming the right person. So, you know, you got to really find out who you are if you want to make good decisions and, and partner up well. I think too many times people mm-hmm. are, they're unhealthy. They get into a relationship and wonder why it's unhealthy. <laughs> it's like, that, well, that's exactly you went into right. it. You and I are, we're on, on the exact same page. And in, in, in my 10 or actually, let's see, I've been divorced about 13 years now. And in my dating experience, they're, and, and, and I have to admit, when I started out dating uh, 13 years ago, I was broken too. Yeah. I didn't really recognize it. But one woman I, I had met online and, and we had talked and she said, well, I'm not going to date you until you're divorced. And so after my divorce was, was final, it was a couple of days after I reached out to her and I said, hey, let's get together. She said, no, you're too fresh out of a divorce. You got to wait at least a year. And I thought, oh crap, <laughs> this, she's just blowing me off. And and 
she's just, you know, she's being flaky. Well, to extend the story out a year, actually 13 months, I was, I was on a phone call with my best friend at the time and we were kind of laughing and joking and he paused and he said, you know, Rick, I haven't heard you sound this good in a long, long time. And it struck me right there. I went right back to that conversation with that woman. There's a, there's a healing and a growing process or recovery process and a growing process. And I've literally been on that journey for 13 years. I continue to refine myself, but the first, the, the, and depending on who you listen to or what studies you look at, it takes roughly about a month for every year you were married or with, you know, for every month you were in a relationship and to, to heal and to recover from this. And when you start telling people this, it's like, well, I'm not going to wait two and a half years, five years, whatever it is for, for, uh, to, to start dating again. Well, okay. I'm not selling, telling you not to date. I'm just right. telling you not to Get look serious. for a serious relationship <clears throat> yep. because you're not healthy. And to a per, every person that I've told to wait, you know, that they're going to be a different person in a year. They said, ah, nah, I've done all my healing. And my the greatest line I hear to me is that, yeah, I've been separated for three years. I've done all my healing. I've you know gone through all this. The emotions are gone. No, the healing doesn't really begin until the until the ink is dry on the divorce papers. That's when the clock starts running. And to a person, everyone I have told that to has come back to me a year later and said, man, Rick, you were right. (laughs) I'm a totally different person. And the reason this happens to me is because when you're in a relationship, you tend to morph, especially if it's not a healthy relationship, you tend to morph and try to adjust and, and, you may end up hiding portions of yourself in, in, in the relationship. I know in the last 10 years of my marriage or so, my ex came to me and said, I don't like your, your sense of humor. You know, it it just, I just, it's offensive to me. Well, and, and I, I can have a bit of a a biting and, and sarcastic sense of humor. And I, I fully admit that. But when you get told that your partner does no longer likes your sense of humor and you have to start watching everything that comes out of your mouth. Oh, you're doomed. Oh, it, 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 it really was. And, you know, I walked on eggshells for the last four or five years of my marriage because you know, I couldn't say anything for fear of offending her. Yeah. And so, you know, it's in, in, it's all part of, and, and my point there is that after after my divorce, I was able to start peeling the layers back, and it's what we all have to do. We have to start peeling back the layers to find out who we were when we first got married. You know, what's your sense of humor? What are your goals? What are the things that that you want to accomplish? And for those that that, that may be widowed, because I work with a lot of widows, you have to start recognizing that, oh crap. Now, all the plans that we had are out the door. You know, I'm on my own. And not yeah. that you're not on your own uh, after divorce. And, and there is, a, there is a, a, a big difference in healing and growth between a, a marriage and, and the death of a spouse or right. the, the divorce and the death of a spouse. Yeah. Uh, 
And it, and, and it, my experience is that if you're widowed, it takes roughly, and this is for, for women mostly because women tend to take more time for themselves, but it, it takes on average about five years to, to, to come out of the fog and start figuring out what you want and, and, and start planning a new life. Yeah. And when you think about when people say that divorce is worse than death, you know, and you kind of tag that along with what you just said, and people think that they're going to get hooked right back up within a week of their divorce. (laughs) It's like, it's gonna take some time. And, and, and guys are, are, are the worst at this. And I'm sure you've seen this too. Guys, they, they say, Nope, I'm fine. I'm going out. And the next thing you know, they're, you know, six months or a year, they're married again. Yeah. And then they're divorced Yeah. and then they go out and get married again and then they're divorced. And there's some really, really horrifying statistics. And this is one of the reasons I'm in this business is that 60% of first marriages survive. But when you dig down deep, only about 15% of those are really happy, healthy marriages. Right. And so for those that, that are left, they're kind of left in a mediocre and just kind of live through through the rest of their their marriage together until death do them part right and you know it's it it, and that's really sad number one but number two for that 40 percent that gets divorced 60 63 percent of second marriages fail 71 percent of third marriages fail so it's an exponential growth and it and the number only gets worse until you get into like fifth or sixth marriage and it's like a 95% failure rate wow and so what that tells me is that we're not paying attention we're not learning we're not recovering we're not healing you know when i work with people and and, and i'm sorry i'm just going all over the my thoughts are just flying through here so, so no that's good i um, i think i think that statistic <laughs> Yeah, don't lose track where you're going, but that statistic, I think, goes with what you're saying specifically, meaning I think the reason that some 60% of second marriages fail is the reason that you talked about earlier, which is they're not taking the time to heal. I think for those that that take the time and they do heal and they do the work, have a good chance of making the second one the one that counts, you know, like really doing the work, really doing it right this time and taking the time to, for self-discovery, for learning what, what part they played in the divorce. You know, the, one of the things that irritates me the most when I'm dealing with clients and it's like, sometimes it's hard to not have it all over my face is when I am working with a client and it's, they talk about their ex, you know, all six of them, like they were all narcissists. And I'm thinking, you know, do you think that maybe one of the six marriages failure was had something to do with you? <laughs> well, well, and that's that's what I try to tell people is you are the common denominator in all of your failed relationships. Yeah. And whether whether it's a marriage uh, or or uh, just a, a, a romantic relationship. You know, and, and again, we're not, I'm not talking about, about, um, 
about uh, widows, you know, unless they had some devious plans in their mind. <laughs> Those are few and far between. <laughs> but they, but we all are the common denominator in all of our relationships and why they didn't work. And and one of the one of the things that I found with so many people that I start working with, and I would venture to say that ninety to ninety five percent of the people especially women will when i ask them what they're looking for in a relationship they'll start rattling off everything they don't want right thinking that that's that's that they're defining their their next relationship but all they're doing is guaranteeing that's what they're going to find because we get into the psychology of this stuff we get what we focus on and when yes. you're focusing on all the negative aspects, when you find, you know, especially you, you mentioned, you know, somebody dealing with with a number of narcissistic relationships. Well, guess what? They say, I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want this. What happens when I, you know, I'll, I'll use this as a as a as an example. When I say, I don't want to date a smoker. What picture comes to your mind? A smoker. Absolutely. So the same thing happens when you're when you're dating is it's it's like the old the old um, statement. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think of a pink elephant. Right. Of a pink elephant. Well, you can't get that picture out of your mind now. Right. So the same. That's why thing I said. That's why. You, that's why I said. Don't date a beautiful woman. Don't date a beautiful woman. Oh my gosh, I'm with a beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's 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 the, the 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 psychology part of it or or the biological part of it is the reticular activating system. It causes us to focus on and see what we're thinking about. Yeah. You, you go and buy a car. You go to go to look at look for cars. You find a uh, uh, a, a red Prius, and you 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 come home that night, and you're thinking, and on your way home from the dealership, guess what you see on the road? <laughs> red Priuses. You, you it, it's because it's what the mind is focusing on. So my role is to, or my goal is to help people flip those those negatives into a positive and create a must-have list and you can have a deal breaker list but it should be really really short you know three to yes five or six items that's on the, what on i your said. deal breaker list yes you know it, it's it's um i feel like you know, I, man that's people, such a good i really sorry to interrupt you i i just no. concur i completely agree with that i tell people all the time hey your deal breaker list or what I call non-negotiables. I say your non-negotiable list, uh -huh. three to three to five. That that's about is it. That's it. Your your list of what you're looking yep. for should be much much longer. And yep. don't just focus on everything you don't want because if that list is too long, here's what I'm curious: what you find to be some of the biggest mistakes. I'm going to throw out just something real quick, and I want you to expound on this. Uh -huh. I often find what you just said to be very true. They're focusing on the negatives, but also they're it's they have too many things that they don't like or don't want or won't put up with to where I get to the mm -hmm. point where I'm like, you know what? That person doesn't exist on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. You know, you want a guy that's six foot two, full head of hair, your age, which is 55, let's say, and, you know, has a retirement, you know, just all this stuff. And I'm thinking, OK, like if you want a guy with abs and hair 
and tall and has money and ha I don't know if that person exists really and especially when I say exist they exist but they're probably married well you know and and Timmy this is where you and I might might veer apart just slightly I believe that if that's what they're looking for that's what they should hold out for you know, assuming assuming that they're they're healthy and looking for a, a, a healthy relationship. Right. You know, there's there are other things that 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 need to go along with that list of of looks. Um, I often you know, find I, the, I worked with a. I, well, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. OK. Um, I worked with a gal that said, you know, I'm only going to I'm only going to date somebody that, that has a Ph.D. Wow. And, you know, you start thinking in the back, you know, I'm starting to think in the back of my head, wow, you're setting your standard really high. Well, guess what? She moved to Dallas and she found her PhD. Oh. So, you know, it's the, the issue becomes, are you going to find that in the pool that you're swimming in? Yeah. You know, so you and belong to, in it, and belong in, because when I think well, about yes, that, you, I think the like I'm thinking actually a particular client that was saying this and I'm thinking you're overweight. You're the like there were these things that I'm thinking you're wanting a person in another lane like this person's in a different lane yep. than you. Yep. Yep. And there's and and that that's a that's a great point, because. You know, when when they're looking for that type of person, the question I have is, are you the person they'd love to date or are you the person more more succinctly? Yeah. Are you the person that you'd love to date? Right. And you have to, and I think you you make an awesome point because and, and there is there is dating up and dating down. Yeah. You know, you, you, there and I I don't know that you can date significantly higher unless you're willing to go and do a lot of work on yourself. Yeah. You know, if you want, you know, if you want to date somebody that earns a million dollars a year, well, you can't be a $20,000 a year employee. Yes. You got to be, you know, you got to be four or 500,000, you know, three quarters of a million dollar earner yourself. Yes. You have to understand the process and, and everything that it, that it takes to, to earn that. But, you know, and, and, and again, that's only, that's only part of the equation, at least for me, when, when you're building out your must have list, what are the things that are truly important to you besides looks, you know, and I, I can list off a couple of things off of my must have list. I want somebody to help around the house. When I was married, my ex, you know, I, we tried, I, I wanted to do all the, the housework on Saturday morning. We both worked. In fact, we worked together. I wanted to get the, the, the housework done early on Saturday morning. So we had the rest of the weekend to play. Yeah. Because at that time we were living in Lake of the Ozarks, had a boat on the lake and go out and do whatever we wanted. Yeah. But, oh, my God, trying to get that done. And after several years, I finally just gave up and I said, screw it. I'll do my stuff and I'll go. I'll go do my thing. Yeah. You know, and that that wasn't healthy for the marriage. But it's you know, you you have to you have to find a compatibility. You have to find 
you know, um, you know, I want somebody that understands business. They don't necessarily have to be in business, but there are character traits or there are, there are particular careers that are not, not necessarily compatible, compatible with, with a, a businessman or an entrepreneur like you or I, right. You know, they have to understand that, that there are demands on our, on our time that, that may not be normal. Right. You know, that to, to what they're to a, a nine to five relationship, you know, so there, you, you really have to define what it is you want and you need to take some time. And a lot of times what you can do it, it 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 may be as simple as taking your list of of negatives or your deal breakers and flipping them around. Yeah, you know we talked about uh, smokers. You rather than saying I'm not going to date a smoker, why not say must be smoking drug free? Yeah, and you you can you can go through your whole list like that, and I I that's that's what I've done. You know, and that's what I teach is, is how to flip those things around. If you want somebody that's, that's not going to sit on the, on the couch and watch sports all weekend, rather than saying no couch potatoes, you, you want to say, I want somebody that's physically, it must be physically active. Yeah. And you always, and, and here again, it goes back to stating it in a, in a positive format. So it's your, your you're focusing on the positive aspects of it. Yeah. What are, you know, so it it boils down to what are the things that are important to you? And it doesn't make any difference what they are. Your friends can say, Oh, Timmy, you're way too picky. Uh, Rick, you're way too picky. I was having a conversation with a woman. I was, I was, I dated for a short period of time and I was telling her I had a list of 36 items on my, on my must have list. And she just ripped me a new one. She said, <laughs> you'll never find anybody that, that can fill that entire list. And you know, you're just too picky. You're too demanding. You know? And she says, what's on your list? And I started reading through my list and I could tell about halfway through, she was getting really quiet and I got to the end and I paused and I said, which ones do you think you missed? She said, I met every one of your criteria. Missed? I met every one of your. Mu- oh, she met everyone. Got you. Yeah. She met every one of my, my must haves. Yeah. And she said, I'm going to have to rethink this theory yeah. She's, because she was in a mindset of serendipity and let's just, let's just let things flow and, you know, find it. And I, I, I contend that, you know, with the exception of the movie serendipity, uh, there's love that movie. We don't, we, I do too. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> it is. It's an awesome movie. It is. Everybody but should it's, watch it. But it's, but it's, but it's a Hollywood ending. It's a, it, you know, we don't have, we don't have romance novel writers. We don't have script writers to, to script our lives for us. So we have to be a little more careful about what, what we get ourselves into. You know, it's, we don't see the next 40 years of, of, of what that relationship looks like, you know, and it takes, it takes a lot of work. Even the greatest relationships take work and effort. 
But one of the things with all of the all of the uh, soulmate or extraordinary relationship couples I've interviewed, they've all said one thing. You when and, and this is regarding your must have list. And you know, people say you're too picky, you can't have everything you want, your list is too long. Every couple that I've interviewed has said said virtually the same thing, almost verbatim. My partner has brought more to the table than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. So whenever you think about creating your must have list, it's it's fair game. Anything you want is can be on the table. Yeah. You just have to be willing to do the effort to to find that person. That may be relocating, that may be that may be online dating, it may be, you know, any number of things. But there I, I firmly believe that we all have soulmates. We have more than one. And it's a matter of which one you find first. Yeah. Yeah. I, the one thing that I do resonate with is the, the finding, you know, I'm getting married in a few weeks to well, someone. I, yeah. Thank you. I, you know, after being uh, divorced four years, uh, I dated immediately. I mean, as soon as the, the ink was actually still totally wet on my divorce papers when I started just <laughs> dating, like having fun, you know, just having fun. Yeah. But I was very, you know, upfront about, Hey, I just got divorced like literally earlier today. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm not open for a relationship, but I'm definitely down to, to have coffee and have good conversation and, and have fun or whatever. And then it, it took me, like you said, I mean, it, I, I have, I was very familiar with the one month per um, year of marriage. And, and for me that rung out pretty true. I would say it was a, a the first year was the most difficult year. I was definitely in no position to be in any kind of relationship. The second year I was, I was definitely, I had turned a corner after the first year, but I was still really finding my way. I would say mm -hmm. after the second year going into my third year, I finally, I finally was at a point where I was like, okay, I know who I am. I know what I want. I know what I'm looking for. I know what I could bring to the table. I was just, I, I, I was like, okay, I'm done just with the fun, you know, crazy life of a single yeah. person. Um, let's, let's start dating with some purpose. Let's start really, you know, qualifying, uh, my dates and not just going out with anyone and everyone, but let's start like, mm -hmm. don't go out with someone you just know for sure is not going to be a fit, but they will be fun. Like, no, none, no more of that. And you know, it wasn't too long after that, about a year after that. Uh, well actually, no, I take that back. It was about that time when I first met my fiance, like we met, uh, didn't go out, didn't meet like on a dating app, just met out in real life. Um, and began to just kind of chit chat a little bit. And we did, we chit chatted before we ever dated for about eight months. And then finally we went out and the rest is history, but Oh yeah. I mean, I, the one thing I can definitely resonate with is I've never believed in the magical soulmate theory, but with her, mm -hmm. I've never had a connection with a woman like this. Her, I like everything about her. I love everything about her. There's literally nothing mm -hmm. about her that irritates me or bothers me or rubs me the wrong way. Or I'm like, okay, well I can overlook mm -hmm. that. No, there's nothing. I'm super tidy and clean. She's super tidy and clean. We both are like healthy people. You know, we're both like to be out and about. We both like, I mean, it's, it, we're just very, very similar. And mm -hmm. it's like magical because like you, you know, my, my, my first, um, marriage, 
was, you know, we were young and dumb in our twenties and I didn't know anything. I just like, mm-hmm. see, you know, there was this, just, you know, you're young, you don't know, you don't know what you want. You don't even know what you don't want. You don't know anything. <laughs> and you think yeah. you're going to, you know, get married and spend the rest of your life together. And then you realize, holy shit, we're not even at all compatible. <laughs> You know, and it really becomes aware when, as the kids for us, it's like when the kids got older and we were just about to become what we did were with one of the children, we were empty nesters. And the other one was just about to turn 18. I'm like, I don't like, we're just not compatible. You want to go right. right, I want to go left. I want to go up. You want to go down. I mean, we were just like, not even at all. It sounds like you can resonate with that. We were just like, I, she would, you know, she, and I'm sure I did the same thing. Like, this isn't just about me thinking what I think about her. I'm, I'm sure I irritated her at every corner and she oh, irritated me oh, at every yeah. corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretty soon you're like, I don't like anything you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I went through the same thing to me that, that my ex could rattle off a list of things that she didn't like about me. And it was like, Holy crap. And you know, there's, there's only, in, in, in my heart of hearts, there's only so much I believe that we can, we can transform or morph ourselves to try to make a relationship work. But even deep down inside, you, you know that it's the wrong relationship. And when you get to a point, and, and I got to that point late in my marriage that, that I, just, I, I just resigned myself. I was checked out emotionally. And it took a it took a major life event to to shake me sure. and say, "Yep, I gotta I gotta end this." Yeah, but I knew. You know, when I look back, I and and this is something I try to teach. Also, I contend that if you're paying attention, you can figure out within 30 days of dating somebody whether they're going to be worth pursuing further or not. Yes, the problem I see with so many people. Is and and this is primarily with women, ladies. Don't come at me with the long knives. This is just what I see, and it, it happens with guys too, to a certain extent. But more to women, they want to give a hundred and ten percent to even the most horrible relationship, thinking that I can change him, he'll change for me, I can put up with this. No, you can't. Right. You can't do any of that if it's not right from the beginning you can't build it into a right relationship. Right. It just doesn't happen. Yes. It, oh my gosh. A hundred percent. I, I agree with that. If, if yeah, you can't, don't ever marry someone thinking and hoping or wishing or expecting them to change. Yeah. And I can go back to my, uh, I can go back to the first 30 days that I dated my ex and I could see things that were problems. I ignored it. said, well, I can work with that. no, because what you think you can work with today is going to be the it's it's going to drive you crazy some point five years ten years fifteen years down the road, and it's just you know and that's what most people don't recognize. Uh, in in my ten years or so of doing this, I I've only had one person that has dated somebody and actually got married because she just madly loved this guy. He was not a great communicator. He, she managed to get him to communicate a little bit, but it was completely out of his wheelhouse to share 
weighty things about work, things that were bothering him. You know, it's, it's not our nature to do that. It's our nature to protect women and protect them from the things that we're going through to try to make their lives better. And so, but she, she insisted that he share these things and, and I guess slowly he came around and, and they ended up getting married. They're happily married. So out of, out of the hundreds of people I've worked with, there's been one exception to that rule. You know, otherwise you've got to, you've got to be with someone you consider uh, an extraordinary mate, a soulmate, whatever you want to call it, your forever love. I don't care what, what term you use. They all mean the same thing to me. I prefer soulmate because I had an experience of, of dating somebody that, that um, opened me, opened my eyes to the fact of unconditional love. I, she, we had a connection similar to what you, what you what you shared. It was so deep. It was, uh, it was, it, it, it just defies description. When you find somebody like that, yeah. your emotional connection is, is deep. And I, I, and that leads me into what, what I consider the four cornerstones of great relationships. And that's, you've got to develop an intellectual cornerstone or an intellectual connection, a spiritual connection, a, an emotional connection and a physical connection. And a lot of times we look at the physical connection as just sex. No, you have to be able to um, look at your partner and be attracted to your partner. You know, there's, there's a couple of components there. I'm a firm believer that the longer you wait and studies, studies back this up, the longer you wait for sex, the more you get to know your partner Yeah. and how many of you and, and how many of, how many of us and and I raised my hand first, uh, have jumped into bed way too quick. And then next thing you know, you're in trouble, uh, emotionally. And, and this goes guys, you jump into bed too quick. She's starting to get an emotional attachment to you. And the next thing you know, you realize it's really not the right person or ladies. You find that he's not the right guy. And you've got all these all emotions going on now because you jumped into bed and statistic or scientifically what happens when, especially for men, when we, when the clothes come off, uh, it, it goes, we go completely biological thinking stops, the brain stops working and we stop learning about our partner. And when you stop learning, that's when, that's, that's when the problems start creeping in and you can't, you miss all the signs, you know, it becomes a life about get up, go to work, come home, have dinner, have sex and, and go to bed. Yeah. You know, and, and when you, you can't build a relationship like that, you have to have all four components. And we talked this about this the other day to me, having a spiritual connection. And it doesn't make any difference whether you're Christian, uh, whether you're Buddhist, whether you're, you're a Muslim or whether you're an atheist or an agnostic be with somebody that's similar to you. It, it's, it, that creates a, or if you're not, it creates a roadblock in your relationship that, that is so many times, uh, unscalable yeah. or unbreak, you know, you can't get around it. You can't, you can't break through it. And, you know, the, the whole idea of, of, of finding that extraordinary relationship is to, find somebody that 
that you're you're you have a lot of commonality with. You can have a conversation on anything and everything. You could you share similar morals and values. Uh, it, it's is all of these components together. I'm a firm believer that that it's important to speak similar love languages. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Five Love Languages. Oh, yeah, I love it. it great book. And the one thing I disagree with the author on, and, and I don't totally disagree, you can, you can learn to speak your partner's language, but it's so much easier to communicate when you find somebody that speaks the same language. Yeah. Because that's it, how you communicate. Just, if you're, if you're, if one of yours is physical touch and words of affirmation, then that's how you communicate love. But if that's, if they're uh, acts of service, they're not going to appreciate your words of affirmation and your touching as much as someone that yeah. actually would share that love language. Exactly. I dated a woman for, for a short period of time. And we tried sitting on the couch next to each other. I tried holding her hand while we were watching the movie. And it was like, ooh, there's just this huge um, ice wall or ice dam between us. And it was like, no, this is not right. This is, you know, she, she was, I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm a physical touch is my primary love language. And hers was, uh, was um, I think, quality time. And but even even spending that time on the on the couch, sitting there watching the movie, trying to hold hands, it was like, oh God, no! There's there was literally uh, this invisible energy barrier between us that that I no, I can't deal with that. Yeah, that's not who I am. You know, and I want to be able to hold hands. I want to be able to sneak a kiss now and then. You know, if we're walking down the street, I want to hold hands. I'm going to walk on, I'm, you know, I'm going to walk on the street side. It may drive you crazy that I'm bouncing from side to side, you know, depending on where we're walking, but I'm always walking on the street side and I'm always there to protect you. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 these are the things, the types of things that, that you need to look for. And, you know, and, and then, the, then there's the chemistry. You know, there's there's the dopamine, the serotonin, the the uh, oh gosh, what are the other ones? The oxytocin. Yeah. And uh, oh gosh, what's well, there's another one in there. But these are all love hormones that, that 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 cause us to connect, and those things all have to be flowing. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 a huge cocktail of stuff. Yes, that needs to come together. It's like the uh, when I think of those pillars that you mentioned, it, to me that's what I would have said, compatibility, you know, how compatible are you physically? Uh, how compatible are you spiritually? How compatible are you emotionally? How compatible are you intellectually? And I know just in my personal experience, you know, that those things were And what's wild is you can have a, you know, maybe you have a, a great emotional connection, but your mm -hmm. physical connection is, is suffering or the intellectual connection. And I'm, you know, and what you, at least for me, I always thought that, that they, you couldn't have it all, Like you couldn't have it all. And, and of course, now that I, I have it all, I'm like, well, get, man, I, I, I guess I was wrong in what I used to believe, but I think, it, I think I was basing it off of, you know, what my situation had been previously. It's, there was some things that we were connected on, but there were other things that we just weren't. It was, and I felt there was always this feeling of. I'm sacrificing, especially I come from the Christian world. 
I'm, I'm not a yep. Christian anymore. Uh, I would be considered maybe a spiritual agnostic now, but I, as mm-hmm. a Christian, you know, I thought, well, that was my duty, right? Uh, uh, like I, Jesus sacrificed himself for me and I'm going to sacrifice myself for my partner. And, you know, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that teaching. I don't, you know, what does it say? Jesus, uh, women, you know, husband, love your wives as, as Christ loved the church and give yourself as a living sacrifice. I understand that principle, but I don't, I think some people that are married shouldn't be married. And when, oh, you know, in absolutely. the, in the, in the religious world, it was always, you know, do the right thing, which meant one thing and one thing only stay together. And it's yeah. like, you know what? And, no, I, there's, I don't think, I don't necessarily believe in God like this, but I don't think that God or whoever's up there wants us to be miserable and unequally yoked and not happy. <laughs> you know, I, it's like, just because you made a mistake in marrying someone, I don't think you should make another mistake and stay with them. Well, and, and, you know, I will agree with you for the most part on that. I think if, I, I think if you're married, you owe it, you, you know, especially if you're married in the, in the, in the, in the Protestant church or Catholic church or, um, in, in a Christian format that you owe it to your partner. You take vows to, till to love, honor and cherish until death do you part. And that's why it's so important to make better choices up front because that's a long road. And that's where I, I, I do part ways with a lot of, a lot of teaching that you try to fix broken relationships. There's, there are so many relationships that just there is no fixed. fixing it, right? There is no fixing yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you know, while I'm never a proponent of divorce, me either. You know, and, and, and I want to, I want to state for your audience that if you're in a, if you're in a, uh, an abusive marriage uh, or abusive relationship, you get out. Now you find a way to, to get out yeah. and be gone and, and deal with it because that's, that is not a healthy relationship. But there are there are relationships that, that just are so toxic that that they suck the life out of you. And so many people, and that goes back to the statistics I, I shared earlier, eighty uh, percent or eighty five percent of marriages, first marriages that last, are just mediocre. Uh, they may be okay, but you're you're just going through the the actions and or the going through the, the, the motions to, 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 to make it last. And I, I contend that, that when you find the right person, you, you'll go through hell and back to, to, to make that relationship work. You both will, because you're, you're, you're both going to enhance each other's lives. And that's, that's one of the things that, that most marriages never have they they never experience a partner that is there to enhance their lives it's it's a there's usually one that's that's more dominant in the relationship and the the um, the one that puts in or tries to be more dominant (laughs) what's that or tries to be more dominant well it's the way I look at it and, and the, from what I've studied, the one that puts in the least amount of effort to make the relationship work has all the power. Right. Because the, your, your partner, you're getting your partner to jump through hoops and do everything you want, but 
the problem is you're not fulfilling them and not making that relationship work. When you are in a, and, and I'll continue to use the soulmate term, when you're in a soulmate relationship, you're there, uh, as you said, equally yoked. You're both, you're both giving, uh, you know, 110% fully. I, I, can, and, I and, 100% yeah. agree. I, I, in my current relationship, and this is all new to me just because I, like you was married for a very long time, um, in my, in my previous marriage and, and, and all intents and mm-hmm. purposes, she's a wonderful woman. It was a great marriage, you know, for mm-hmm. while the, you know, whatever it was, it was what it was. That book is done yeah. and closed and whatever on the shelf now, but the now being in a relationship that I'm in now, it's. I just never realized that, that it could be this fulfilling and, and it could be like your cup runneth over. Like, it's just everything that you would have hoped and dreamed and wished for is now a reality. It's unbelievable to me. And I really couldn't, I'll be honest. You you can listen to my podcast before Jessica's her name before Jessica, Mm -hmm. my fiance, you listen to my podcast. I have a little different perspective on, on life and different things. And mm-hmm. upon, you know, meeting her and once we fell in love and, and, and now you know we're together and getting married in a few weeks, I, I'm like, I'm just, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I'm in awe. I'm like, Oh my gosh. It, it really, what it, what it did to me is realized in my dating coaching with people. I'm like, listen, there's someone that you won't even believe is super compatible with you out there. Like I, I see it now because I'm in that kind of a relationship where, you know, she does fill my cup to overflowing. And according to what she tells me, I fill her cup to overflowing. And here's the key without effort, meaning I'm just being me. I'm just doing me and she's just doing her and being her. And that is, that's it like that. It's like everything she does. I just adore it. And, it, and this is, oh, you're yeah. in the honeymoon stage. and not, no, 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 we literally communicate the same language. We, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's to me. And it's in, 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 well, and enjoy it because, and I'm, I'm sure you'll, you, you'll verify the same thing that she's brought more to the table than you could ever imagine. And she'll tell, tell you the same thing. She impresses me every more. day. I just can't believe it. Yeah. And the and and that's what I hear consistently from soulmate relationships or from soulmate couples. They they bring more to the table than you could ever have imagined. Yeah. And it's just the problem is we live in an immediate gratification society, and 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 you we expect everything now. You know, and I can trace this back to the late 1950s with the advent of the of the uh, uh, the the TV dinner. That was the start of it. And I used to love you know, those. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> that was always such a treat. They were so terrible, but it was always such a treat. <laughs> but it's it's you know we've we've come to the point where you know our food is almost immediate you walk into a mcdonald's or or something along that line and you know a couple of minutes you have a burger fries and and a drink and you know and then we're bombarded with with and and what i my point there is that 
so many of the people that I work with expect to date no more than a handful of people and find their soulmate. And it, it, it just rarely happens that way. It takes, it takes effort. It takes time. And it, you know, if you're truly looking for your soulmate, I mean, if you're looking for just a relationship, something mediocre, something to not, not be alone or not to be lonely, you know, then yeah, you can do that in, in after meeting five or six people. Yeah. But that's not the way dating works then or finding your soulmate works. And it, it, it just takes effort. But when you do find that right one, it's just absolutely incredible. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that, that I try to convey is to, we're, we're never taught that we're, we're taught that we can have, we should, that, that we deserve to drive the best car. We deserve to have the best home. We deserve to eat the best food. We deserve to have the best clothes. When it comes to relationships, no, you can't have everything you want. Yeah. That's, that's asking too much. Huh. So we get that mixed message and then all of a sudden that's why we settle. And that's, and it's nothing more, you know, the, all the people that are, that are sitting in mediocre relationships right now, they've settled. They said, yeah. And, and, and they may be asking themselves, well, or telling themselves, well, what if I never find anybody better? I promise there's always somebody better. Yeah. It isn't until you find your soulmate. And, and, and again, I believe we have more than one until you find your soulmate, the, the first one that comes along you will understand why none of these other relationships were, were good or healthy or, or worth, worth hanging on to. Yeah. What do you think it's is just, keeping people from their soulmate? Like, what do you think the, um, the people that just, they want it so bad, but it just seems to elude them. It's like the carrot in front of the donkey. It's just, it's, it. Well, I, th I, I think there's a number of, that's a great question to me. I think there's a number of, there's a number of reasons the, the primary and it's all based on fear it's it's the fear of being alone they would rather settle than than wait for the right relationship and i have some i've worked with some people that that are in their early to mid 70s they panic and say no i can't wait i've got to be with somebody now you know, my life is finite and, and all of our lives are finite. Right. But I, the way I just, the way I describe it is that I would rather spend the next 20 years looking, assuming I have 25 years left, which, you know, that, that's, that's, that would put me at about 90. Yeah. And assuming I have 25 years left, I'd rather spend the next 20 years looking and five years with extraordinary than spending the next 25 years with misery mediocre. <laughs> yeah. You I know, mean, but here's it, the, it, well, just... here's a question. I'm so, I'm curious what your thought is on this. And, and uh -huh. I just want to preface this for anybody listening. And if you're older and single and have always been single, please don't take offense to what I'm going to say. But I, I, I am curious what Rick thinks here. So what about when, you know, when I meet a client that's, you know, getting close to 50 and they've literally mm -hmm. been wanting and desiring a relationship and they've never been married. 
mm-hmm. never have found anybody. I, I, I almost don't know what to tell them. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, you're clearly, and again, people, please don't get too offended at me. I'm, I'm going to tell you my truth, but <laughs> tell you what I think to be true. But I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. they're clearly doing something wrong. Like they're, they're either their, their list is way too long. They're focusing on the wrong things or they're, I don't know. Like, it's like if they, especially when they desire, it's one thing to meet someone who has been living, live, you know, just living it up, having fun and doing their career. And they've not really tried to find anybody serious. And then they finally get into their forties and they're like, okay, I should settle down. That's different than someone who's really desperately wanting it. And here they are, you know, in their fifties, getting close to their fifties. And, and it's just still eluding them. I'm thinking, how is that not something that they need to really look inward and figure out what, I mean, it's at one point you got to look in the mirror and go, it's me. Like, it's me. I'm fishing in the wrong pond. I'm like, I'm definitely doing something wrong because to go 50 years and you're really trying to find like you're in it to win it and you ain't fine. It's eluding you. You're doing something wrong. Well, and and I I agree. Um, I have seen a few instances of people that that are in their fifties and they finally meet their soulmate. Um, but they were they were very deliberate about about their about their decisions. Now that being said, there are a number of there are a number of possible reasons for, for somebody being single well into their forties or fifties. Number one, it could be that, that they, and, and folks don't, don't come at me with the long knives. This is just my experience. <laughs> and I've worked with people like this that are, are just, um, their social skills are very weak. Yes. And it, it's, it's difficult there when you're socially awkward, it is, it is really difficult. Um, but that's not to say that there aren't other socially awkward. Uh, <laughs> I know what you want to yeah, say. Cause, yeah, there aren't, there aren't other right. socially awkward folks that, that, Oh man, this is an awesome fit. Right. You know, you, you, you have the same weird sense of humor. You have this, you know, some similar quirks and, 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 you know, things just blend, but it's one of the other things that you mentioned is they're trying desperately to, to find that soulmate. And that can be a major problem being desperate, coming across as desperate or needy. And that is and ladies, there is nothing that turns a guy off quicker than than a woman that's that's needy, and and you know, or, or guys, you know, guys, if if you come across as needy, oh my gosh, you're it, it's you're 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 dead meat. Yeah, it's it it, it be, you have to be emotionally healthy to be in a to find a, an extraordinary relationship. And, and if, if you're not emotionally healthy, if you, if you can't do it on your own, if you're, if you're not able to, to do some self-help books or get some counseling, get some therapy, get a, a mentor or a coach to help you work through whatever issues you're dealing with. I'm a firm believer in, in getting counseling or therapy if you need it. 
Yeah. You know, don't. And, and there are just sometimes uh, there's a great book that I, I just absolutely love. And it's called How We Love by Mylan and Kay Yurkovich. And it's 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 a it's a book on how we are imprinted, our the love styles that we have that we're imprinted with. And off the top of my head, I can't name them all, but there's the vacillator, the avoider, there's the controller, there's two more, and I forget which ones they are. I'm the I'm an avoider, and one of the women I I most dearly love is a controller. And our we've talked about trying to trying to work this relationship out because we just love each other dearly. But there are things in our lives that are just hurdles that are too big to overcome. And if, if you're really struggling with finding somebody, you may go back and, and, and read this book. And it talks about how our different, our, 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 our upbringing, you know, our parents, how they imprinted us with, with what they knew. And but real quick, just because, you said it. It's the avoider, the pleaser, the vacillator, the controller, the victim, and the secure connector. Yes, that's it. There are actually six. They, they, yep. I looked at the five, but there there is the secure connector that's that's got it that's got it all together. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly right. And it's a great book. It's it's a bit of a long read. But it is awesome, especially if you want to try to 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 help yourself move through. And I've read this book like four times or five times, and it's it it and I keep getting more out of it each time I read it. It's it's just very powerful. Yeah, I've never read it. I've but heard about it. I need to read it though. It sounds really interesting. It it really is, and it and it gives give you some deep deep impact into or a deep dive into who you are and why you, why you react certain ways or why you do certain things that you do. And, and it's, it's, it's very, very powerful, you know, and, and between that and the five love languages, it, they've really, really opened up my eyes to, Oh, well, this is, you know, this is why I am the way I am. And this is how, this is how I, I relate to people. And, and so there's, uh, there's some, some great benefit in, in those books. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think? You know, when we talk about marriages, I mean, I can reflect on my own personal, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can too, but what would you say? Why do so many marriages fail? Do you think it goes all the way back to, they didn't choose wisely or like what, yeah, what why do I, 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 I used to think, you know, when I was a financial advisor, you know, the, 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 the primary, the main fight was, was money. Right. You know, the, that's, and that's what you'll hear most commonly, but I've most recently come to recognize that, no, it goes beyond that, you know, and that's, and, and that goes back to, you know, the, 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 the counseling that, that we get in, in our marriage or, you know, if you're in a in a romantic relationship right now, if you've got to go to counseling, guess what? You're in the wrong relationship. Yeah. And I say that hands down. And I, I firmly believe that's the primary reason for divorce is that 
we're, we, we deal with the symptoms. We try to fix our partner. We, or we try to fix ourselves for our partner. And that's not, not, I mean, unless there's some deep emotional issues going on, uh, most of us have chosen poorly. And I, I'm the first one to raise my hand. Don't misunderstand me. I, there were a lot of good things that came out of my marriage. My daughter and my grandkids are, are a couple of those things. Yeah. But you know, there was a lot of crap that we dealt with. And, and which, when you, you choose know, I, unwisely, it leads to more crap. When we talk about, you know, cheating and of course betrayals and just other things that go on, yep. of course that's going to happen when you're not with the right person. Not that that excuses yep. it. Not that it makes it, I'm not justifying. I think it's still wrong. I'm just saying yeah. you're setting yourself up for those things when you're trying to force it to work when it really should have never even got started. Exactly. And that's, that's why I, I totally agree because these things are, most of these things are preventable. When I, you know, I, I look at, at people that tell me that their spouse cheat on a, that had cheated on them. I said, I'll bet if you look back at your marriage, there were problems in your marriage. And there was one woman that, that, uh, that, that I had dated and we, I tried to share this concept with her, but she just couldn't get it. And it was that that she gave everything to this relationship. And she said, I was the perfect wife. Well, it doesn't make any difference. You could have been perfect for for a lot of people, but you weren't perfect for him. There was something in, in your relationship that was missing for him. That's why he cheated. Yes. And it if if there's something missing in the relationship. If the relationship isn't healthy at home, there are going to be problems and you can't move past those problems without, without acknowledging those problems. And that's, you know, in, in, in unhealthy relationships, we don't talk about, we don't talk about what's going on. We don't talk, we don't know to share. And that's why it's so important to be able to develop an intellectual connection early on. So that you can talk about anything and everything. It's not always these conversations are going to be uh, comfortable. They can get really uncomfortable, especially for somebody might like me that's that's an avoider, and I'm learning how to get past that. Yeah, it's it's you know because I just I just don't like these conversations. Yeah. You know, I I I have to sit. My personality is I have to sit and ponder things and. And then I can come back rationally, but in the heat of the moment, I can't have a conversation with you or I can't have an argument with you. And that's, so there, yeah. there are ways of working. Around. Yeah. I was just, well, just going to say, I, to piggyback on what you said about, you know, if you're, if you're dating someone and, and needing to go to counseling, of course, there's always, there could be exceptions to that rule. Like if one or either or both, you know, lost a loved one during that time and, and you're, you know, you're needing to go to therapy to kind of deal with that, that, that might be an, sure. what I would consider an exception to that rule. But sure. if you have deep systemic issues with someone you're dating and you need, you think you should go to counseling to work it out. Now, granted, if you've been living with this person for 10 years, I would say you're technically married. So again, there's always exceptions and nuances, but I remember uh, Rick, I had a client really maverick. This woman was really beautiful woman. And of course he was, a, he was a real handsome guy and they were young and in their twenties. And, 
and they hired me. Well, let me, no, let me take that back. She hired me. He had already cheated twice in the first, yeah. you know, six months of being together. And, and she would, she was coming to me to, you know, to counsel them and, and he was really reluctant, but she would come to me just solo to, you know, to try to, so I could help her out to get through this. And I'm thinking, well, I kept telling her if he's cheating now, he's going to cheat for sure. I would bet the bank that he will yep. for sure cheat on you once you get married. If that's what you got, like I'm, t I kept telling her and I knew I shouldn't have said this because a lot of times when you say this kind of stuff, it always comes back to haunt you. And he ended up calling me and you know, he was mad at me and all that. And I just told him, I said, dude, I'm standing by my principles. You've already cheated on her twice. I, yes, I told her to leave your ass because you're <laughs> going to cheat again, you know? And, yeah. and guess what, Rick? <laughs> he did. He did. I mean, yep. you know, and I, I, I never called her and said, I told you, I warned you. I yeah, tried I to save and, you from this. Yep. And, and I, my, my favorite line is, and, and I've had some people come back and tell me that, uh, oh, Rick, I should have listened to you and, and you were right. And I just look at him straight in the eye. I said, don't doubt me. No. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Just don't doubt me. I've been around this block one too many times and, and it's, you know, and you're just betting against the you're yeah. betting against the house because it's like you said earlier about that exception to the rule that happened for one of the things you were talking about. And um, yes, yeah. there's always that one story of the guy or the girl that forgave the other per their partner for cheating in their dating, and then you know they worked through it and they whatever, and then they end up having a 35 year wonderful marriage, whatever. I mean, it, they're yeah. it's but it, but that's that's you know 99 percent of the time it's not going to go that way. That's right. There's, there's not going to be a healing. And the only reason that stuff happens is because there's something missing. You may feel that you're with your soulmate, but if, but if it's not a two way street, you know, if it's a one sided relationship, it's like I said earlier, the, the person with that puts in the least amount of effort has all the power because they're, they can demand everything they want in the relationship you're going to be unfulfilled because they're unwilling to give in return. Now, when you're with an extraordinary mate or when you're with your soulmate, that, that giving is going to come naturally. You wake up in the morning wanting to be a better person. You wake up in the morning wanting to please your partner. It just comes naturally. And yes, you are going to have arguments. Yes, you are going to have fights because life happens. You know, somebody loses a job. Somebody, somebody uh, loses a family member. Somebody, you know, somebody gets sick. There's going to be stressors on your life that 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 put tension in your marriage or your relationship. But when you're with the right person, you are ultimately there to to enhance each other to build each other up and to support each other it gets tough at times but you're it, it's it, it's just and, and i cannot tell you the, the 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 deep connection that you have with someone it goes beyond it goes beyond the chemistry it, you know i i just wrote a blog on on 
on the love being a choice and or or uh, an emotion. But when you're with that extraordinary in, in that extraordinary relationship, I believe that love is more of an emotion. You are just so deeply connected. Uh, there are going to be times that yes, you have to make a choice. Yes, I have to do this for my partner because I love them. Do I want to do it? No. Do I want to take out the garbage right now? No, but I will do it because it'll make my partner happy. Yeah. Do I want to do the laundry for my partner right now? No, but I'll do it because I know it makes my partner happy. And you do it without, 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 uh, without grudge. You do it because, you know, you know, it's going to make them happy and they're going to do the same thing for you. Yeah. You know, and I, the, you know, the, when I think about love and a lot of this is new to me just because of my, my, my current situation and reflecting over, you know, my 53 years of, of all the different kind of relationships I had, like, you know, when I was a teenager and my young love, my first love, and then, you know, a marriage yeah. and then a divorce and then dating around and, and, you know, dating a few, dating a lot, but then finding a few that I really connected with. And then of course, ultimately one mm -hmm. that I was like, I don't ever want to be with anyone else or see anyone else or think about anyone else. Like this is the person for me. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I realize that you can love, like, this is just my perspective. You can love a lot of people. You know, I, yeah. I, I loved my ex and, and I'd love her in the context mm -hmm. now, like, you know, like I would love like a family member, but I also, mm -hmm. you know, she's the mother of my children for that. I'm extremely grateful um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and I've loved women, you know, that I dated, you know, I've, I've yeah. many, but there it's, there's something different when it's not just, you know, I love them. It's, it's such a deep, profound, listen, I, all I know how to do is say it like this. When, anytime I even love someone, I could not that I did imagine this, but you know, to lose them, like if they were to die, I, yep. I'd be sad, you know, I'd be brokenhearted of all that. What, what is mm -hmm. new to me is to actually love someone so deeply. I can't imagine life without them. Yep. That's what's wild to me is that I can't, and don't even think about something like that. I, I can't even allow yeah. my, cause it would literally drop me to my knees. Just the thought of it. And that yeah. is really wild to me to, yeah. to, and that's to have that, to have, to feel like you have literally found the person that this universe literally put together just for you. And with you in mind, that yep. is fucking magical. Yes, it is. And and unfortunately, most people have never experienced that level of connection. Yeah. Why? Because they because they stop looking. They find somebody that has good enough. Uh, that that is good enough. They have a pile of good things on on the one hand, but on the other hand, there's a pile of and it may be a small pile of crap that that you that you that you put up with or tolerate but eventually you're going to get tired of that yeah. you know and and it wears on you and what you'll find timmy i think is your relationship as your marriage goes on that you're not going to lose that connection with your wife 
yeah. you know, it's going to be, you're, you'll wake up amazed every day. And, and the older you get, you're going to appreciate it just that much more. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't going to be days that, you know, you're challenges, gonna, of course, you're going to have challenges. Yeah. You're going to, she's going to hit you upside the head figuratively with a two by four and say, straighten up boy. Yeah. And you're going to step back for a minute and shake it off and say, yes, dear. <laughs> and, That's right. And, but then she'll do the same thing for you. Yeah. You know, when, when you find something that, that's, that's a, a, a barrier for you. And, and if you can share it, if you can both share and talk reasonably, uh, you, you can, you can get through anything. You know, yeah. it's just a matter of, of being able to having that, that ability to communicate and not be afraid to communicate. You each give each other a, uh, I, I, I kind of hate this term, but you each give each other a safe space or a safe place to oh, absolutely to share your emotions and feelings and wants and needs and desires, and it's it's just something that we all need in a relationship. Yeah, let me ask you: What would you, what or what have you found to be the biggest mistakes that people make while dating? And I know, we, you know I probably you could, if you listen to the whole podcast, we've maybe already covered some of that, but what like succinctly, what are the, you know, here's the, the top five things Timmy, that I see that, that are the mistakes that singles are making. Well, and that's, that's a great question because I actually have a, a, a handout that I, uh, that if, if anybody wants it, I'd be more than happy to send it to them. Just, just send me a message. But it's the the five biggest dating and relationship mistakes, and and I I, I won't go into great depth, but uh, it, and we've we pretty much covered these, but I I I term them a little bit differently. It's one you're dating with a chip on your shoulder, and that's you you haven't taken time to heal, and I'm sure you've dated women from time to time that they've come out of a bad marriage or a bad relationship and they carry a chip on their shoulder for an inordinate, inordinate amount of time. Oh, he was such a jerk. And too many times, any, and it doesn't make any difference whether it's a woman or, or a man. If you're dating with a chip on your shoulder, there are going to be things that trigger you that cause you to hopefully not go ballistic, but get angry with your mates and, and it it just makes life miserable, and it, and it's and it's it's so difficult to overcome. You have to clear these things out of the way first. And sometimes you may not even know what 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 the chip on your shoulder is. And I'll give you an example. I dated a gal um, just a few years after my divorce, and we we had a pretty good relationship for a while. But there was one day. We were one evening, we were having a conversation and you have to, and I'm, I've got to preface this. She had an open floor plan in her house. The kitchen and the dining room and the living room were all kind of open to each other. And she was sitting on the couch talking, facing the TV. The kitchen was behind the, 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 the sofa or the couch. And I was in the kitchen and the conversation paused. So I walked out and I walked walked into the bathroom and next thing I hear is her voice 
And she's just talking away and talking. And that just triggered me because that's something my ex used to do. She used to try to talk through the house, thinking that her voice would carry right through two or three walls. And it just doesn't happen. You know, and, and how many times, and I'm sure you've done that with your ex. And I came back into the, into the living room and I was just furious. But before I said anything to her and I said, listen, I was just triggered and it's not your fault. You have no, you had no idea that this was going to happen. And I just explained what happened. And she said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. And it was that easy, but I had to recognize what my trigger was. And a lot of times we don't understand what those are right. and um, until something happens, but we have to acknowledge it. And then, um, then, then deal with it. The, the, the second thing is most people are not crystal clear about what they want. Yeah. That's a, just a huge, huge, huge mistake. And we talked about that, the must have and the deal yeah. breakers are the non-negotiable things. Um, the third one is failing to recognize red flags of poor relationships. And this is just huge. You know, and, and this is where typically infatuation and raging hormones take over and right. we ignore the the um, we ignore the the problems that are lurking either willingly or unwillingly. And infatuation studies have shown that infatuation can last up to two years. And by that time, you might be married and then all of a sudden the infatuation starts to wear off and it's holy crap. What have I just done? Yeah. So we have to be able to, and that's how would you recognize it was just infatuation? Like what would be some signs that it's possibly just, I mean, like maybe there's someone out there that's, you know, thinking that they're crazy in love, but it's going to be an infatuation. How can they know? Or what's, what are some tests that you can run on it to discover that? Well, and, and I don't necessarily discourage infatuation, but what I, what I encourage people to do is to, Go back to their must-have and their deal-breakers list. These these two lists will help you step back out of the infatuation, and you can ask, does he have this, this, this? Does he have everything on my list? And you won't find those things out in the first couple of days, but you can start getting a good idea. You know, does you know it, does he start checking off the boxes? And I know a, a bunch of you are going to say, "Oh, Rick, you're crazy." But, you know, I shared the story with the woman, you know, that said, yeah, you'll never find him. Yeah, well, she she lined up everything on my list. It's just there were some other things that didn't line up. You know, the and, and I don't want anybody to get hung up on the on the must have and deal breaker list because that's just the starting point. Again, you have to be right. emotionally healthy. This is just a, a tool to use to a guide um, to, to guide you to to start weeding through. You know, it's it's like looking at profiles online, you know, uh, and 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 people, please, I'm going to share my I'm going to share my my uh, my deal breakers with you. It's cats, tattoos, and porn. You know, those three are just deal breakers for me. And I had somebody that was on my I did a I I do a, a, a Facebook Live every Monday, and I had somebody says I can't believe you don't like cats. Well, it's my preference. I'm not going to date you. You know, it's just, if you don't like my preference, that's okay. 
everybody has their own preference. Right. You know, everybody has their own must-haves and their own deal breakers. And one of the most amazing epiphanies I had is is one day when I was scrolling through profiles, and I'm thinking, I'm all hot shit. That you know, I'm I'm a great catch for anyone. And I'm scrolling through, and no, no, no. And then it just dawned on me. Well, just think, all these women that I'm scrolling through that I would be an awesome catch for, they have preferences too. And I'm (laughs) probably not a great catch for everyone. And they're swiping left on you. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's exactly right. But to get back to the point is when you have your must-have list and your deal-breaker list, you can you can take a look at those things and step back out of the infatuation and say, is this is this healthy? Is, is are they displaying any of the the deal breakers or am I seeing any warning signs? And then go back into the infatuation if if the answer is no, you know if you're if they're not showing any uh, any warning signs, then go back in. That doesn't mean that that somewhere down the line something won't happen and and you won't recognize something new. But it gives you a good idea that you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's just and and, uh, and again, like we said, and I I want to I want to be perfectly clear here. Your must haves and deal breakers must the the must haves need to be written in a positive format, and they are non negotiable. You know, I the the question I ask everyone is. If you have a list of of 20 must-haves and the guy you're dating has 19 of those 20, what do you do? Yeah. And to a person, almost to a person, very rarely do they answer this question correctly. They'll say, well, it depends on what that one is. And I go, the first word out of your mouth should be next because what you're doing, if if your if your list of of must-haves are non-negotiable, what you've just done is you've settled, you've settled for less than extraordinary, and it may not be a big deal now. It may not be a big deal five years, ten years down the road, fifteen years down the road. It's going to be, oh, you know, it would have been nice to have everything I wanted in a relationship. There's going to be something. It's just, it's some- it's just a. Just, yeah, I was gonna say sometimes that list. So I, I had a client that had a very specific list, and and like you said in the very uh-huh. beginning, you said you know your 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 absolute non negotiables that shouldn't be a, a a crazy long list, like the things that are absolutely deal breakers. At least I think that's what you said. If not, that's what I always teach. Yeah. I say, hey, sure. your, your non negotiables, uh, which means absolutely the I will not. I will not violate these. That should be a shorter right. list than maybe your preferences or the ideal or whatever, however you want to word it. And then, so I had this client and she, her list was too long. She had too many things. And I said, Hey, listen, mm-hmm. why don't you trim those down and really like, does that really, do they really have to live within a mile of you? I mean, could they be two miles away? Like, come on, you know, can like, let's really look at this list and really make sure mm-hmm. that you have the right things on this list and you're not, you're not making it impossible. Like, you know, you're literally going to be single for your entire life if this is your list. Yeah. So let's be reasonable. Now, outside of that, I remember one of my clients, she had a, on her list, she said, I want like a gym rat. 
And I understand mm-hmm. that. And I said, well, I said, when, when you say that, what's behind that? Like, what do you really mean? Are you really saying you want someone athletic or someone active? I mean, do they have to work out at a gym and be a gym rat or, or could they just be into fitness? Like let's, let's make sure that you're, you're not pigeonholing yourself and, and, you know, weeding people out. And, mm-hmm. and she reevaluated her list and realized that like, I want someone that reads books. Well, okay. But what if they listen to books or what if they listen to podcasts mm-hmm. or what if they mm-hmm. learn by reading articles? Like, are you literally mm-hmm. not, are you going to write that person off because they don't read actual books? Mm-hmm. You know, like I was trying to help her. What's the, what's behind yeah. that thing that you've put on that list? Because I think, you know, I want them to have gone to college. Okay. I, I have no problem with that, but are you saying you just want them to be intelligent? You know, like I know some people that didn't go mm-hmm. to college that are super freaking intelligent and make tons of mm-hmm. money. So is that really what you want is just someone that has a degree from college or it, so again, I tried to help her realize how she could adjust her list. And as soon as we adjusted it, boom, you know, she met somebody. And I think because she yeah. said she would have just written that person off because it didn't line up with her list. She was kind of a legalistic person. Does that make sure. sense? Does that resonate with you it, at all? It, it does. And, and I, it, it resonates with me. Um, and in my perspective, it doesn't make any difference how long your must have list is, as long as they're non-negotiable. Now, if they are, would be nice to have. Let's take a quick pause for a commercial break. We'll be right back. A lot of people get confused about, about, um, would be nice to haves and must haves. Right. You know, again, my list is my list of must haves is, um, is 36 items long. But you know what? Some of them Read are, it. Some of I want to hear it. I want to, cause that okay. Would you feel comfortable? Yeah. Let me, let me pull it up here real yeah. quick. I have it written down. Because and, I think and, what and, you're and, saying, you I, I'm the reason I want to hear it is I bet you it's not going to be a list. Like I'm going to hear it and go, well, oh, okay. Those are all reasonable. <laughs> Yeah, Except and, I did laugh because I have tattoos and a cat. Of course, you know, obviously. Yeah, well, we're not getting married, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I was just, I was giggling when I heard you. Now, I'm not into porn. I mean, obviously, I've seen porn. I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah. But well, I'm yeah, not into porn because I don't think it's healthy, yeah. but that's just my personal yeah. perspective. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll be very frank. The first one, she must be beautiful, preferably long, flowing, blonde hair with a great figure that is proportionate and between 5'5 five, five and 5'8. Five, now, I, I can vary a little bit on the on the height, but not much much not much not lower than 5'5, five, five, just for personal reasons. Sure. Uh, must take care of herself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, she must have ambition to make money, not just from her job, but i.e. multiple streams of income, because I'm a businessman. That's understanding those things is important and must be a helper around the house, must have a positive attitude, must be able to communicate effectively, must be a great lover, which is subjective, must be, excuse me, must want to please me physically and emotionally, must have an interest or take an interest in the things that 
I like to do. Uh, must enjoy sharing time in the kitchen. Must in, uh, must earn a decent living. Now, this one is probably, this one is, I have to be forthright in saying that this one is aging out. When I, when I originally wrote my list, it was back when I was in my, my mid fifties, actually early fifties. And so now I'm at retirement age and most of the women that I'm dating or that I look at dating are near retirement age. And, you know, that's, I look I, I need to rewrite that one as financially stable. Sure. I always um, say paying their bills, must, <laughs> not in debt and paying exactly. their bills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she must, which leads to she must not need me, but want me in her life. I don't want to be responsible for her lifestyle. You know, it, it's yeah. It, we need to come together as as a as a team and 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 want each other, but not need each other. She must be decisive yet want my input on decisions. She must be a Christian with good morals and values. She must keep a neat and clean house, and that goes both ways because i i want i have to keep a neat and clean house right you're not wanting her to keep your house neat and clean (laughs) yeah well it it it, it's it's a shared responsibility right right uh in 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 my world uh let's see she must have a strong positive personality she must have she must have personal goals she must be physically and mentally healthy. She must enjoy physical touch, holding hands, hugging, kissing, and making love. Uh, must be outgoing. And, and I, well, I won't even get into that. Um, she must be encouraging to me. She must be able to challenge me mentally. She must be open to a relationship and be able to commit. She uh, she must want to share her interests, share her interest with me, uh, which is the reciprocal of her wanting to be a part of mine. She must be patient with me. She must be open to and actively seeking to learn new things about business relationships and about God. She must be able to wear this. This is again, this is an aging out, but. She must be able to wear a bikini and not be self-conscious. She must like to flirt with me. She must enjoy a a moderate level of public display of affection. She must be intelligent, not necessarily educated. And that goes to the point you were making a little bit earlier. Um, She must be able to cope with life's ups and downs. She must be able to have fun. She must be able to be fun with, or she must be fun to be with. If she's divorced, she must be divorced for at least a year and uh, must have rhythm and be able to dance and let me lead. Must be smoke and drug free. That's my list. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I'm listening to that list going, that's, that's, it's not unreasonable. The only thing I can think of and that, that came to my mind as you were reading is that I would assume that you have these qualities as well and would be willing to do those as well. Meaning if you're a, if you're a slob and you want her to be clean, I'm like, I would, I would challenge you on that. You know, if you can't keep a clean house, right? Like if you can't keep a clean house, like, yeah, that'd be effed up in a major way. Like if you want someone, I want someone with abs, but you don't have abs. 
Like, what are you asking for? <laughs> like, come on, you know. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I want a woman with straight teeth, and your teeth look like you've been on crack. It's like, <laughs> dear Lord. I think, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's the part when, I, when I'm meeting with clients. It's when I hear them saying something that they don't possess. Yeah. Like, they, I want a woman with great style, and yet you don't have style. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah. asking for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they're trying. They're trying to date way up the ladder, right? And, and 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 you know that can happen, but they have to elevate their game too, right? And and you, then I would respond to that: well, What are you willing to do to elevate your game to to find that? Yeah, because when when you have um, when you have somebody that that possesses those qualities, they're going to expect the same in their mate. A hundred percent. You can't you. You can't just come along and um, be a complete opposite of them and, and expect it to work. So, yeah, I, I remember uh, I had a client. He was he was sixty. How old was he? I think he was like sixty two. Uh, retired, you know, multi, 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 multi millionaire. Was in a huge company that sold for like fifty five million. Mm -hmm. He was part owner, so you know he was set financially. So obviously his list, you know, he he didn't care if you know, he, as long as she paid her bills, but he, he didn't, he, he, you know, he wanted to travel and do things and he was willing to like underwrite all of that. Uh, he wasn't wanting sure. to be a sugar daddy, but he was just like, Hey, you know I mean? I'm, I, I have the money to take us all around the world. Clearly, you know, even if she's making a good living and can pay her bills, she might not be able to go to you know Paris every other weekend, but, right. but I could take right. her. So he was definitely on, but I'll never forget. He was overweight. Now he wasn't like, crazy overweight but he was definitely overweight i mean he, he had a little bit of dunlap disease his belly was hanging down over his belt a little bit and yet he wanted a woman that was physically fit and i'm like i told him i said here's the deal you have to get rid of that you have to get rid of that belly then like you need to get yeah. you need to be proportionate if you want her proportionate like like the kind of woman that would be attracted that's going to be the kind of woman that you're describing i'm not saying you i'm saying the him the, the right, kind right. of woman that he was describing wouldn't be looking for a dude like him. Yeah. You know, so, so he, and he took my child was very, matter of fact, he was one of my, my best clients. He, I actually became his matchmaker. We redid his whole wardrobe. Cause I told him, I said, dude, you're out of style. You're style. I mean, cause I, he paid me and I said, I'm going to be brutally honest. I said, your haircut is out of style. Your clothes are out of style. And I said, you don't need to be like a 20 something hipster i said but you literally look like you're wearing the same jeans that you wore in 1990 i said so yeah. you know you, you gotta update your wardrobe you gotta you gotta yeah. be a little bit more trendy you gotta clean up you know yeah. he was wearing dad tennis shoes you know with with black socks and white shorts i mean he just was doing everything wrong <laughs> and and sure enough you know i spent about six months working with him and being just very straightforward and honest with him. And man, that dude, I'm just so proud of him. He got, he got himself to, you know, walk in and got himself a whole new wardrobe. And I mean, I didn't even recognize him <laughs> when I saw him again, Yeah, you know, and, and sure yeah. enough, right after all that, he met the love of his life. I mean, it was just a really cool story, but man, you know, he had to, I think I kind of worked as a mirror, you know, I, I really just, had no, I didn't care if I offended him because he was paying me. And I'm like, listen, yeah. you're going to pay me all everything up front because the things I'm going to say to you, you might not ever want to talk to me again, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. 
And man, exactly. he took he, he he was a businessman, so he was used to feedback, and he appreciated yeah. the direct feedback that I gave him, and it changed his life. It changed his game. It changed everything for him. He felt more confident and yeah. everything. Yeah, and that's and that's what it takes, you know. Some and some people you have to be a little more tender with, but other others, yeah, uh, you just have to be very direct and say, listen, you know. Yeah. You gotta, you, you gotta clean up your act and, 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 you know, otherwise, you know, you're going to be stuck. Yeah. So, so, okay. In so. closing, I know I've been taking a lot of your time. This has been just absolutely great. This has been a yeah, wonderful podcast. A good conversation. Yeah. Uh, I guess the final thing I would ask or, or, or put out, or, yeah. Ask is what, what, how do you think dating has changed? Cause you and I are, are, you know, over 40 or you know mm -hmm. uh, so how do you feel that dating and the dating world has changed from maybe back when we were in our 20s because i think people are what i've noticed and the reason i'm asking this question is you're going to help me with a lot of my clients that listen to this podcast you know i deal with a lot of they get divorced you know they got married when they were 20 and they they married for 20 years and then they get divorced and which I didn't expect to do who does they didn't expect that they're they're they they're just lost you know here they are 45 and just how do you even date they don't even know what to do how are things changed and what advice would you give someone that's was in a 20 year marriage they're now 40 something you know they've that, let's say they've done the hard work to they've waited a year to work on themselves but what, mm -hmm. how has the landscape changed and what's so different and how do they adjust to dating now in the 21st century compared to dating in the 19th century? Well, you know, and, and I'll, I'll just use me as an example. Uh, when I date, when I first started dating, this was back in my, my mid to late teens, you had to call the girl by Wednesday for a date on Saturday. The, the way we communicated is we had a rotary phone that was stuck to the wall. Right. And you, and, and in my case, I had a three foot cord. <laughs> so I was, I was captive. So my entire family in a small house, I was captive to what conversations I could have. And it was always so embarrassing to, you try to ask a woman out, you know, when your family is sitting in the other room, you know, it's like, oh, geez, do I have to go through the, you know, it's, it's hard enough to add it, it, at that time. It was hard enough to ask a girl out to begin with. And then to, to have your family there listening, it's like, oh, that's just, you know, that's just a double whammy. But, you know, and it, it was either that or you, you ask them in person. That was it. You we we didn't have email. We didn't have texting. We didn't have uh, smartphones. We didn't have um, uh, uh, FaceTime. We didn't have any of this other stuff. I I used to quite a few years ago. I did some Ubering around the Kansas City area, and I was talking with a thirty-something, and we were talking about this very thing. And he says, oh, my God, we would never do that. You know, we text somebody and say, hey, a bunch of us are meeting over at this place uh, in two hours. Come and join us. You know, that's how they date. 
And for those of us that are that are a bit of old school, that, are, that were married 20, 30, 40 years and then find themselves back in the dating world, you have to get acclimated. Online dating wasn't available. And, you know, and, and a lot of folks are 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 leery or, or scared of online dating and online dating is just a tool. It's a tool to help you find people that you wouldn't normally meet in your daily walk through life. Now, before you get on any online site, the thing I always recommend, or I'm starting to recommend, is that you Google what the what the most recent fishing or catfishing scams are, the 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 romance scams are. Yeah, those are updated regularly because we, as consumers, we have to be aware of what's going on. We have to protect ourselves. You know, the the dating site isn't going to protect us. You know, it's it's you know, and, and there are bad actors out there, but the overall majority are good people. Yeah, you know, and and we have to be aware of of the 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 bad actors. What to expect? You know, when you see these things, that's an instant instant uh recognition that this is a scammer or yeah. this is a this is a catfisher um the other thing is is you know i talk to so many ladies that say the man has to pursue me and that is actually i've done some research on this this is actually only uh, an historic um uh, practice since the the late uh 19th century in the 20th and 21st centuries um it, it's it, the man needs to pursue well that's starting to shift and we can go back to the bible and the book of ruth you know anybody that that that, that reads the bible go back to the book of ruth she had to initiate the conversation she had to initiate uh boaz had the had the uh it was attracted to her, but Ruth had to go into his tent and lay at his feet and, and say, Hey, you know, I'm here. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, 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 it's, it's something that, that women have to, in, in my opinion, need to share the responsibility of reaching out. Ladies, if you see a guy or know a guy that you want to talk to or like to go out with, extend a hand. You know, extend the olive branch and say, hey, let's let's go out for coffee. Let's go out for cocktails. And for anybody getting back into the dating world, coffee or cocktails, no more on the first date. Coffee or cocktails, because ladies, listen, you want to go out for a great dinner? It can cost a guy 200, 250 bucks to wine and dine you. Yeah. How many times is he able to do that? I mean, unless he's really wealthy. Yeah. It's it gets very expensive for him. Give him a break. Number two, the coffee and cocktails gives you a great out. You can be out in 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah. Or if it goes well, you can go for lunch, you can go for dinner, you can go to a movie, whatever it is. Yeah. You leave yourself an option there. So I think, you know, um, and if you're going to date, you know, date, you know, call, call on the phone. Don't don't text. I mean, unless you're making an initial conversation on on an online dating site, you know, make a phone call and don't hang on on texting forever. Get in contact. 
Um, you know, I met someone online. We had great conversations on the phone. We met in person and it was dead air. Huh. You know, it was just, it, it was just, there was no chemistry there. Yeah. So you have to, and, and you have to be ladies, you have to be cautious about, um, about meeting somebody and where you meet, um, try to do a background check, do a Google check. Most everybody's got a Facebook page or some social media page and, and, you know, they've got a history somewhere you can in, in, in Kansas, it's a little different. You have to go to the county records, but you can find out if they're if they're already divorced or if they're only separated or if they're lying to you and not divorced at all. And I'll you tell know, you in, what, in Missouri, if, they've got, yeah, if they act shady, they are shady. That's all I say. Listen, if if you think they're kind of shady, if they're unwilling to give you, if you're going to meet them, if they're like, hey, let's meet up, and you say, hey, well, let me have your Facebook. You know, what's your Facebook? Not that we need to become friends, but you know, let let me see who you are. Yeah. If they're unwilling to do that, I wouldn't fucking meet them. Oh, that's absolutely right. If they're not willing to be open, and and I'll tell you what, especially for the ladies, if you say, you know, I want some information from you, and you're not looking for their bank information no, or their right. social security number, you get a birth date, get a middle initial. And um, there was, I was interviewed on, on, um, Channel Five in in Kansas City a few years back, there was a there was an incident, and I think the the, the gal was in, um, I think she was in Clinton, Missouri, and she had met a guy online, brought him home on the first or second date, and you know she had done a done some due diligence, but he lied about about his name. He gave her his middle name, so she didn't find anything on him. And ended up that to make a long story short, he ended up being a, a sexual predator and a and a pedophile. Wow. And you know, all of a sudden she's got all kinds of problems because she brought him home to meet her her daughters and like on the first or second date, and all of a sudden he's there and and it's just it's just a huge problem. Yeah. And that's that. And here's a rule of thumb for you. I never bring anybody. I never introduce anybody to my family uh, for the first six months. I rarely introduce anybody that I'm dating to anybody I know for the first six months. I just don't want everybody to see a revolving door of women. Yeah. I don't want my daughter to see a revolving door of women. I don't want my grandkids to see a revolving door of women. Yeah. You know, not that. And, and, and I'm, I'm saying that, that, I don't want to date somebody a couple of times and then have them disappear. And, and, you know, the, the idea is to get to know somebody, make sure it's a relationship that's going to last for a while. Right. So just be cautious about, you know, and especially if you have younger kids, younger kids attach themselves to, to, to a new, new person. And, and we haven't even touched on kids and that's a whole other that's a whole We'll we'll do another podcast and maybe we can talk about dating with kids. Yeah, that's that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah that that's a whole nother that's a whole nother conversation. And, yeah, uh, you know, we can fill up a couple hours on that alone. Absolutely. So, well, Rick, man, Rick Soda Bear, I really, really, real Soda Beer, I really, uh, really appreciate your time today. And remind everybody again uh, how they can get a hold of you or how they can get your book or what what you got out there. Well. Thank you. I you, my book is available on Amazon. It's Dating Backward. Uh, it's, and it's, I just, it's about 16 bucks. It's, it's not a non expensive book. It's about 200 pages, but we cover a lot of the, the things that we talk about 
and uh, including communication, body language, creating your must-have list. Um, but you can go to ricksodabeer.com, and that's spelled S like Sam. Or you can you can tag it on your yeah. I'll tag your, it down here notes. in the notes. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and then um, I also, if if you have an interest, just reach out to me, Rick at ricksodabeer.com, and I have an online course. It's new, and it's it's just out, and I can send you a link to that. And um, it's 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 a great way to to get back into the dating world and, and take some time to figure out what you want, get your head clear and figure out what you want and then move through the correct processes. And, and some of the, some of the details that, that you need to know to date in today's world. Yeah. Well, man, I really appreciate your time. It's really been just really enlightening and, and fun to chat with you. You're easy to talk to very, uh, articulate and, and explaining all this stuff and, and you know, your stuff and it's, it's been a pleasure, man. Hey, it's been awesome. I've enjoyed it. it I, I just looked at the clock and it's like, Holy crap. We've just <laughs> gone nearly two hours. Where did that time go? Yeah. We didn't even get into talking about aliens and UFOs. We'll do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, appreciate it. Have a fabulous, uh, week and uh, definitely I'll be touching base with you soon and I'll send you the link to this as soon as I get it uploaded okay and I'll share that with you or okay. to my audience too thank you awesome. Timmy I appreciate it you bet talk to you soon bye bye